0: Now, some of us, many of us, I hope, are familiar with using the armor of God for defense. We're at the end of Ephesians. I had a look back at my notes. This is the 30th message on Ephesians that we started just over 10 months ago, and we're finishing today, which is wonderful. Now, Paul finishes his letter uh, with some quite thorough teaching on spiritual warfare. In the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at defense. And, for example... Uh, One of Satan's favorite schemes is to bring to mind a past sin, a major blunder, something that makes us cringe. I think we all have at least one of these or more. And though we've repented, and though we've got right with God and experienced his forgiveness, the devil, he loves to accuse us and bring us under false condemnation. And so a voice in the back of our head starts up. uh, You call yourself a Christian. That's that first fiery arrow. You remember when? And there's that second fiery arrow. You're a hypocrite. The third fiery arrow. How can you call yourself a Christian and go to church? And there's another fiery arrow. Or you turn to prayer and that voice says, you hypocrite, how can you pray? And these fiery barbs come from Satan. And unfortunately, in this particular area, it can be very successful. There are a number of good folk who were Christians who, because they've fallen to this scheme, no longer walk with God. But that does not have to be us because we've been learning over the last couple of weeks to use the armour of God, to pick up the shield of faith, to quench those fiery arrows and to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so as these thoughts are coming to my to my mind anyway, I think of Romans 8, verse 1 and verse 2. Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin of death. And as you say that verse in your mind, as you look it up and read it out loud, what you're doing is you're picking up the sword of the Spirit. You've got the shield in one hand, quenching those fiery darts of accusations and false condemnation. And you've got the sword of the spirit, which you are parrying Satan's blows. This is what it is to engage in spiritual warfare on the defence. But today, we move to the offence, to attack. Battles are never won by defence only. And so today we're going to look at how to take the battle to Satan. You see, in every major conflict, there's a moment where we move from the back foot to the front foot, from retreat to advance, from defence to the offence. We go to World War II in the Pacific (coughs) Theatre, Gorda Canal, up until the battle for the island of Guadalcanal, the Allies had been retreating, retreating, defending, defending against the Japanese, and it all changed at the victory won on this island. And after Guadalcanal, it was island hop after island hop until certain victory <coughs> in the North African campaign. It was al Alamein, the second battle at al Alamein, where the Allies moved from retreat, retreat to advance until. The Germans were kicked out of North Africa and, of course, in Western Europe on D-Day, the landings in Normandy. Up until that time in Western Europe had been defend, 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 and then it turned to attack until 11 months later and the end of war in Europe. And it's a similar with spiritual warfare. There are times when we defend, we defend, and defend, but we must never be happy to stay only on the defense. We must turn to the offense, to attack. And to do this, we need three things. We need a goal. When you've got a military campaign, you need a goal. Then the second thing is you need some strategies. How are you going to reach that goal? And then you need to implement those strategies. And that's what we're going to look at today. We want to be clear about our goal in spiritual warfare when we go on the attack. We want to be clear about our strategies, about how to do about it, and then clear what each one of us is going to do. Implementation. So first, the goal. What is the goal of our offensive campaign? Our defensive goal, when Satan attacks, is to stand firm and not to cave in against his schemes. But what about our goal as we attack, as we take the battle to Satan? Well, to answer this, we need to look to our commander-in-chief, to Jesus. What was his battle cry? What was his goal in spiritual warfare? And to answer that question, we're going to go to a very familiar passage, John three sixteen. Trust that everyone here has that memorized in some version or not. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this lays out Jesus' mission here, because the default for everybody, for every human, man and woman, through history, Our default is to perish, eternal death. We're on a broad road, Jesus said, that leads to destruction, unless we do something about it. And so John 3.16 tells exactly what Jesus is going to do about it. He's come so that we should not perish. He's come to rescue us, to take us from the broad road to the narrow road. Now many of us focus on the good news of that verse and we don't really come to terms with the bad news. (laughs) And the good news is only good news because the bad news is so terrible. There's a verse at the end of John 3 that emphasizes the dire situation that we are in if we do not believe in Jesus. John chapter 3.36 Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. That is our default until we come to Christ. Until we believe in him. And John 10, 10 also puts this really well. John 10, 10. Now this gives you the goal of Satan and the goal of our commander-in-chief, Jesus. What's Satan's goal when it comes to spiritual warfare? John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. There's his manifesto. Whereas Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So there we have this all laid out in front of us. We have our goal. The goal is the same as Jesus. And we can summarize it like this. Our goal is to rob hell to populate heaven. I and mean, that's our goal. Okay? People are on the broad road to hell unless we partner with Jesus, unless we enlist in his army and are helping to rescue people from the broad path to the narrow path for their journey to hell to heaven. I mean, that's the goal of spiritual warfare. That was Christ's goal, and that is our goal as well. Now, we need a strategy for that. How are we going to rob hell to populate heaven? We certainly don't do it on our own. And so the first strategy, and we find this as we turn to Ephesians, our Ephesians passage, and we find our first goal from verse 18. Verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints and also pray for me. And so, it is no coincidence that as Paul is teaching about spiritual warfare, that he moves from the armor of God to prayer, because that's how we put the armor into work through prayer. That's our first strategy. Notice how verse 18 also tells us how we are to pray. We are to pray in the Spirit. Now the phrase praying in the Spirit is open to a misunderstanding. Those from a Pentecostal or a charismatic background, I often think this is an encouragement to speak in tongues, to pray in tongues. However, though speaking in tongues is a legitimate gift of the Holy Spirit, elsewhere in the Bible it makes it clear that not everybody has the gift of speaking in tongues. Yet here it's very clear that every Christian is to pray in the Spirit. And so Paul is not referring here to praying or speaking in tongues. Because not everyone can do that, and but everyone can pray in the Spirit. So if you do have the gift of praying in tongues, by all means, use that in spiritual warfare. But that's not specifically what's being referred to here. Now, there's a a second misunderstanding that's possible here. Some people might believe that it's praying in the Spirit as being overwhelmed with ecstatic feelings. Being in a a meditative, trance-like state. And that's not what praying in the Spirit means here. Now, there are some Christians who may experience this from time to time, and that's all good and wonderful. But again, that's not the focus nor the intent of praying in the Spirit that's talked about here. The clue to what praying in the Spirit means is actually in the preceding verse, in verse 17. What does verse 17 instruct us to do? To take up the sword of the Spirit Which is the Word of God. So, praying in the Spirit is praying the Word of God. Got nothing to do with how you feel, got nothing to do whether you have a sort of a Pentecostal background or not. Doesn't matter whether you're sort of a meditative sort of person. It's all about praying and aligning your prayers with the Word of God. And so, what does this look like? Well, since the beginning of the year, I have been encouraging or pastorally nagging you, (laughs) to do what? To read a psalm a day and pray a psalm of the day. And what you're doing there is you're actually getting the sword of the spirit out and you're polishing off the rust. And you are using the sword of the spirit in prayer. When we pray the scriptures out loud or our prayers align with, with the scriptures, then we are praying in the spirit. Why? Because we're using the sword of the spirit. And so in our devotional time, you may have a concern with a friend who's suffering from depression. And she's not a Christian, but your heart, you just feel for her. She's been a friend for years and you just wanted to be healthy. And so you happen to be reading Psalm 107. And 107 goes like this. Some sat in the darkness in the shadow of death prisoners in affliction and in irons. They fell down with none to help. And you think, oh, that's Jane. (laughs) That just so describes Jane. But then the scripture goes on. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness, the shadow of death, and burst their bonds apart. You think, wouldn't that be amazing if Jane could experience that? And so you say, I'm going to pray this verse. And your prayer may go something like this. And this is you getting the sword of the spirit out. (laughs) And this is you engaging in spiritual warfare. And you pray something like this. Lord, I pray for Jane, who's trapped in darkness, who's trapped in the shadow of death, who's a prisoner of dark thoughts and depression. I pray your love will break through and that she'll cry to you for help. And I praise you because of the cross, Jesus, and all that you did and that you can. You have the power to deliver her from depression. You bought me from my dark place. You've broken my bonds and you can do this for Jane. I come against the devil and all his scheming in Jesus name. Amen. So what have you done there? What you've done is you've engaged in spiritual warfare. You've gone on the attack. You're attempting to rob hell, to populate heaven. You've got the sword of the spirit and you're on the attack. And you're praying the kingdom of God in James' life. Using the sword of the Spirit to pray in the Spirit. So that's our first strategy. Our first strategy is to pray, not to give up, to persist. The second strategy that we have in Ephesians is to proclaim, verse 19. And pray also for me that the words may be given to me to open my mouth, in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is a second st- strategy for advancing the kingdom of God, and that is to proclaim, to share Jesus, to open our mouths. We pray about people like Jane, and then we speak to people. So you might take Jane out for a coffee and the conversation is going well and there's an opening there and you're thinking, oh Lord, I really don't want to be here at the moment. I'd rather not broach this with Jane. Do you feel like that or is it just me? You're praying about it and you've got this opportunity and then you want to run a mile and then you think, oh, oh, I don't know what words to say, Lord. And then you just got to step out in faith and say something like, Jane, look, I know you're going through a tough time. But God loves you. I know he does. And he sent Jesus. And Jesus can make such a difference in your life. He can bring light where there's darkness. You need not languish in the blackness of your depression. You can have abundant life. So you prayed in the spirit. And now you're proclaiming. You're proclaiming Jesus And you don't have to get the words exactly right. (laughs) I mean, Paul is probably the greatest evangelist who's ever lived. And you read Acts and you think, man, that guy's got courage. Now, what's he praying here? He's saying Ephesians, the church of Ephesus, pray for me. Pray to give me boldness. And you're thinking, this is Paul. He must be the boldest Christian that ever lived. Pray for the words that I can say. And you think, Paul, you've just written about 13 letters. You've written most of the New Testament. You don't need prayer for words, you've got them all. But he's saying, pray for me. And that's because he's discovered, what we need to discover, that God only gives us grace for today. We cannot live on the grace of yesterday. So Paul may have stood up in Ephesus. He talks about the lions of Ephesus who were raging against him. And he preached the word of God and he was bold. But that was Yesterday. Now he's in prison and he needs grace for today. And you might go back to the time when you were very bold and you used to share the faith or you did something very courageous and good on you but you cannot live on grace that was given you yesterday. If Paul was here today, he would be in just as desperate need for grace for today as the most timid one among us. And Paul was humble enough to pray. Ephesians, pray for me that I may be bold and have the right words to say. And so this is the strategy, full strategy. First of all, we pray in the spirit, which means we use the word of God, and then we share Jesus. Now, it's, how are we going to put this together? Implementation. How are we going to pull this together? Imple- implementation is another word for take-homes just a bit fancier, sounded a little bit more military. I thought, so instead of taking we'll call it implementation, same thing. So, prayer. How are we going to pray in the spirit, the word of God? Well, I kid you not, while I was typing in my office, that illustration from 107 and that whole thing, I got this package in the mail from Derek Prince Ministries, unsolicited, and in it were a whole bunch of these proclamation cards. Now, you've got one in your... Well, your news sheet, and I asked you to pull it out. Exactly what I was writing. On the back of these, there's some scripture verses, and in the front, those scripture verses are turned into prayers. And so we've mixed them up a little bit, so they're all a little bit different. But this is something that you can do during the week. What are we doing? Yeah, There's scripture verses here with some guidance about how to speak them out loud and pray them you can practice praying in the Spirit using the sword of the Spirit. Now, you can do that in any Scripture verse. You don't have to use these, but these are conveniently in themes, So this one happens to be the Holy Spirit in me. Scripture verse is about the power of the Holy Spirit, what he does, and then how we can pray these using the sword of the Spirit. So there's something practical that you can do. There's a whole bunch of them. I might get some more and have them out the back so that you can use them. What we're encouraging you to do is pray in the Spirit. Use the sword of the Spirit to pray. Pray blessings not only over you and your family, but other folk as well. Remembering, uh, unless people choose, they are on that broad road that leads to hell. Fortunately, it's not up to us to do that. Otherwise, the pressure would be too great. But what we do is we are enlisted in God's army, and he uses us to help nudge people, sometimes grab them by the scruff of the neck, and move them from the broad road to the narrow road. So he's been praying in the Spirit Second thing we can do, how can we proclaim? What can we do to, to share Jesus? And as I said before, just like Paul, I, and I'm sure most of you, we need to pray for boldness and courage, as well as the opportunities, the right words to say. Not the perfect words, but just the, the right words to say. And that brings us, of course, to Alpha. And Alpha, is, as Ryan has said, is a, is a well-proven, well-tested way of introducing people to the Christian faith. So, one of the things that you can do, or well, there's more than one, but one of them is to pray about who you can invite. Who can I invite to Alpha? I mean, there's different things you can do. Look, let's just step back a bit. One of the things you can do to proclaim uh, is to put your hand up and sign up so that you can put some... Hope booklets, gospel booklets in people's letterboxes. And um, I think most, but not all of them, out and and it's in hand, but that's one way of proclaiming. But we know that's not the most effective way, isn't it? Um, You know, we know putting a booklet there, there's no relationship between us. God has and will use Christian literature, and it's something we encourage, but it's not the best way. A better way is to invite someone to Alpha, a personal invitation, and then if they accept, you come along with them and you build that relationship. Another way, uh, which we talked about before, was like with Jane. Taking a friend out for coffee or whatever activity that you share together, whether it's around a golf or going to a movie together, or maybe you babysit each other's kids and you have a play date, whatever. A personal conversation. It's the most risky, (laughs) but it's the most effective when it comes to proclaiming. So you've got some options, haven't you? Hope Project, pray that, that people will, will put those booklets up from their letterbox and read them. Be involved if you can. Second thing, invite someone to Alpha. And if you can't think of someone to invite, come along anyway, experience it, and then the next time we do an Alpha, you'll be primed and ready to invite. Third thing, just encourage you, that conversation, you think, well, oh, I really need to have a conversation with Jane, whoever your Jane is. I pray that you will have the boldness to have that conversation. And I pray and I know the Holy Spirit will give you the right words. No matter how stumbling you may feel, the Holy Spirit will make those words come alive to the James that are in your life. And so, let's draw this message to an end. And then we'll just close off on Ephesians. What have we looked at today? The goal. What is the goal of spiritual warfare as we move from a defense to attack? Basically. It is to rob hell to populate heaven. For all those people on the broad road, we are calling them to come to the narrow road and follow Jesus. Look at two strategies. Praying in the spirit. Praying with this in hand. Speaking out the word of God as you pray. Claiming promises for those people that are lost. And also proclaiming Jesus. Sharing Jesus being that witness he wants us to be. None of us are equipped, not even Paul, but we can pray for the grace for today. And for today, we can pray for the boldness of the words to say, and we pray that every day. And finally, the implementation. Can I encourage you to give those proclamation cards a go. Spur you on to pray a psalm a day and, and um, read a psalm a day. And uh, you pray in spirit. And also a challenge to, who can I share Jesus with? Who can I invite to Alpha? Who can I prod, nudge? Maybe even grab by the scruff of the neck, pull them off from that broad road onto the narrow road. And Paul, you know, he's in prison. And he's been dictating this letter to Silas or maybe Timothy, someone like that. And he's coming to the end and he wants to finish off. You know, he wants to, he, you know, he's probably running out of parchment, out of a scroll. Uh, and so he said, I well, better sign this off. So let's read with Paul as he signs off this wonderful letter. As we see this in uh, chapter 6, verse 21. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, uh, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. Because this letter we read out in the church at Ephesus, and, and people say, Well, how's Paul? How's his health? Is he sleeping well? Is he eating well? You know, I'll be asking all those questions, and Timothy who who's hand delivered this letter, will be able to answer all those pastoral questions. Verse twenty-two: I have sent it to you for this very purpose that you may know how, know how we are, and then he may encourage your hearts. And then he signs off: Peace be to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. You know, if Paul was here today, I think his last words to us, and myself included, would be Do you love Jesus? I mean, he's written one of the richest letters in the whole Bible. It's a real treasure. But at the end of the day, this letter makes no sense. Unless you love Jesus. None of us do it perfectly, but that's his challenge for us today. With all these big words that he's spoken and challenges, unless we have a heart for Christ, then it means nothing. But as we do love Christ, then we are promised that the Holy Spirit will fall and keep on following us, and we will walk that adventure that each one is called to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a challenge, man. So when it comes to sharing our faith, many of us are shaking in our boots. <laughs> but we thank you that even Paul had that. And he had to pray day by day for courage, for boldness, and for the right words to say. So we join with Paul, day by day. Give us the right words to say, Lord, and the courage. Help us to pray in the Spirit. Help us to stand strong against the devil's scheme and to be work with you to rob hell, to populate heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.